up, world? It's past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. We'll do another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. In today's show, we're going to talk about the Blazers who find themselves on a five-game losing streak and headed in the wrong direction. They had some spirited losses this week. In fact, I thought this show was going to be about how the Blazers were playing a little bit better, and while they didn't have uh, the wins to show for it, that there was some like obvious improvements that you could point to. Then Sunday's game against the Grizzlies happened, and the Blazers played pretty terrible for three quarters, made a spirited rally, and still lost. Their fifth consecutive loss. We have not spoken. They have not won, rather, since we've last spoken. So we got to talk about this. I said in this exact space that we would kind of know what the deal was with the Blazers at this point, Sunday afternoon. Well, we've we've reached that fateful Sunday afternoon. We kind of know what the deal is. So I want to dig into this week, troubling week, sort of the trends around that. I want to spend some time talking about Damian Lillard's numbers because he has not been good in April. And while that he is not the reason why the Blazers are in the position they're in, his struggles are part of the story, undeniably part of this story. And you only go as far as your star is going to carry you in the league. So I want to talk about that. And then we'll look at the week ahead. The Blazers season, while it looks headed in the wrong direction, is not over. They still got to play more games. So I will look at the week ahead, the beginning of a six-game road trip starting this week. A I don't know if, if it's make or break at this point because it might already be broken, but if <laughs> things could get out of hand in a hurry during a challenging road trip that awaits the Blazers. So we will talk about that in the third segment. But let's just talk about this week in general. Let's talk about Sunday's game, a 121-13 loss to the Memphis Grizzlies, in which the Blazers were down double digits after um, a, a bad first three quarters, came all the way back and pulled within two late in the fourth quarter and still lost. If the Blazers had won this game, it would not have changed my tune. In fact, I think this was the worst uh, game the Blazers played all week, if you include last Sunday as part of last week in terms of the way this podcast gets recorded. I record these Monday shows on Sunday, so uh, my weeks are a little jacked up. We start the work week on Monday. The loss to the Clippers was just unlucky. Damien Damien Lillard did not play in that game. CJ McCollum missed an elbow jumper that he can make. He shoots about 46% from that spot. It's essentially a coin flip. It, It went the wrong way. They obviously got outscored 10-3 in the final two minutes of that game. So all of their problems were there when a star, a big star wing decided to take over and they had no way to stop them. But they were literally a wide-open Norman Powell 3 and a wide-open CJ McCollum, or a good-looking, I should say, CJ McCollum leaning foul line jumper away from winning that game. In the Denver game, they just couldn't stop, couldn't keep, you know, Jokic off the foul line at the end of the game. They just couldn't, they couldn't guard a guy who might win the MVP of the damn league. And Norman Powell missed a floater in the final seconds. That ball, that ball drops the Blazers. You know, they have something to show for two really nice games. Against Memphis on Friday, I thought they played pretty well. That was the return of a really good Yusuf Nurkic performance, the best he's looked. In fact, these two games against Memphis are as good as Yusuf Nurkic has looked all season long. But... They still come up short when Yusuf Nurkic misses a layup in the final 30 seconds and they and they can't get it done in crunch time. 
And then Sunday. Sunday was the worst game because those three games, I was ready to say, you know, the results aren't where they want and the Blazers aren't in a position to take moral victories. They aren't in a position to say, uh, you know, hey, we're not playing well. But I was in a, I was, if the Blazers had won on Sunday or if just played better on Sunday, I was in a position to, or at least like where I was at mentally was I was going to say, you know, this, this is, it's not what you want. They need to win games. the The standings won't look at the standings won't look at sort of gradual improvement and and Nurk's improvement and say congratulations. You know you're not the seventh seed. The standings don't get don't care about that. But you know we can see it with our eyes. Them heading in the right direction. And then Sunday's game was just they were just flat early, absolutely flat. Terry Stotts uh, grabbing at straws. Played eleven guys in the first half, trying to figure out what combination would work. Uh, went to Ronnie Hollis Jefferson as the first center off the bench to play small then didn't go back to that really in the second half uh didn't play Anthony Simons until the start of the second quarter didn't play Nas until that second quarter either uh then he went back to Nas earlier and in the second half like this was just anything that could work on a team looking for any any combo that could work for a team that kind of just was in a rut not not looking good uh you know Carmelo Anthony almost brought the Blazers back with some hot shooting, four straight three-pointers, but they just couldn't stop John Morant. Some of this is that um, Memphis is also good and also in a position to scramble. This is not a, this is, but, but like the actual story is here. The Blazers had four games against good teams to prove that they belong in the conversation of good teams and they lost all of them. And the fourth of those four games this week was the most troubling because they looked the flattest. Because they tried to win the game in 12 minutes after kind of... Um, I, I don't know if this was listless. I, I'm a little bit hesitant to question guys' efforts in, in NBA games. Um, I just don't think they had the... It wasn't that they were trying... They were like dogging it. It's that they needed to step up to a level to match Memphis' energy. Like they needed to go... They, it's like, I'm not saying like 110% or whatever weird cliche, but like gr- the Grizzlies played harder than them. The Grizzlies just played harder than them. And that that can't happen. You can't, um, in this position, that can't happen. And that is a combination of maybe the coach not having everyone on the same page in terms of uh, bringing that juice, you know, and buy-in and all that. And we've talked about that ad nauseum. I think that's going to take care of itself in the offseason. There's no reason to address it in this particular episode. But it's also on the players. The players have to play better and harder. Uh, it can't just be Nurk. It can't, like, the, the sort of the want to from guys just has to be better. And it, and it, and because of that loss and because of the position they're in, the Blazers are, are, have lost five in a row. And now find themselves a game and a half behind the Dallas Mavericks, just a half game ahead of the Grizzlies, who are in eighth place. The Blazers currently sit in seventh, and two games ahead of the 10th place Golden State Warriors. Like, the conversation has now moved from can the Blazers finish sixth and avoid the play in to can the Blazers avoid ninth or 10th and end up in trouble? Like, you know, it's. Um, because if you're the way the playing round works is if you're seven or eight, you play one game and you win and you move into seventh. Uh, if you lose that game, the seven or eight game, then you you play the winner of the nine ten game and then that team goes to the eighth seed. But if you are ninth or tenth, if you're paying attention to this, you have to win twice. You have to win two two single elimination games against uh, against the nine ten team, whoever you aren't, and then the loser of the seven eight game. So if it's like sixth is so incredibly important, right? But the Blazers and the Blazers now are in seventh with a chance to fall into eighth. If they fall lower than eighth, like it, it who cares? I mean, and I think 
I think the larger picture is that that doesn't matter. Uh, we can sit here and talk about playoff matchups and all those things, but you watch this team. They're not beating a Western Conference team in the playoffs. Not unless something crazy changes. Like, the the only chance that they have is to get to sixth, take those four days off to get your body right and your mind right, and hope that whoever's the three seed kind of, it, it shakes out for them, right? But... And, and, and obviously, like I said, you fall into 9 and 10, it gets really like a really serious uphill battle on a team that maybe won't make the playoffs. If you get to 8th, you get two chances at it, you're okay. The Blazers may very well stick in 8th and, and end up with two chances at it and um, you know finish in the 7th or 8th seed. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like right now, as we sit here today on the afternoon of April 25th, as I'm recording this, who cares where the Blazers finish? They're going to get swept out of the playoffs or kicked out of the summarily dispatched from the playoffs quickly. It doesn't matter. They're just they're this group has always profiled as sort of lucky. You know, when they were fifth in the West at the halfway point, they had a negative point differential. They kind of profiled as maybe a team that would have lost six or seven more games, but they'd stolen them. But the idea there was like, you don't have to apologize for that because the Cavalry's coming back. And when Nurk and CJ are healthy, they'll get this thing rolling. And while some of the indicators suggest that they're better that Nurk and CJ are back, and Nurk, like I said, has looked as good as he has in two years, maybe in these last two games against Memphis, missing a layup in, in crunch time aside from Friday night, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They've lost five in a row. They've lost 10 of 13 games in April. Their last three victories. A home win over the Pistons. Excuse me, a home win over the Thunder. A home win over the Pistons. And then a one-point win over San Antonio in the closing seconds when they trailed by 17 in the third quarter. This is not a team that profiles as particularly good. We can point to the problems, but this... I This... I talked about it last week in this exact space, and I said, if we get to this point on Sunday, we should know what we know about this team, and we might put a bow on the season. And quite frankly, y'all, I'm putting a bow on the season. This baby is a wrap. It's a wrap. It's over. Like, they, it's, it's not over because there's games left to be played and yada, 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 but we're too deep into this thing to think they're going to magically turn it around. You know what this group is, and the vibes are bad around them. They don't look like a team that brings juice in games they need to bring juice. They tried to win this game in eight minutes in the third quarter. You know, you'd like to say they win They win one of those two coin flips during the week, and it feels a little bit differently, and I think it certainly does. Even if they split these games against Memphis and Yusuf Nurkic makes that layup on Friday night, I think it feels differently. But then to follow up those close losses with this type of performance on Sunday, you know what it is. You know what it is. If you don't think, if you don't know what it is, it's because you don't want to know at this point. And that's fine. I think there are ways to enjoy this team for what they are without uh, getting caught up in the wins and losses. And I and I um, applaud people who can do that. But increasingly, we know the deal, y'all. We know the deal. It's a wrap. Let's put a bow on it. Let's talk about Damian Lord in the second segment. He is not playing well, and while he isn't the only problem for the Portland Trailblazers, this is a star league, and if your star is struggling, you're going to struggle, and Dame is struggling. I'm going to give you sort of the basic struggles, and then I've dug a little bit deeper into some of the issues that are holding Dame back. So that's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, let's talk about Indeed. If you need quality candidates for a job, 
then what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet the must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. The offer is valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Y'all know Built Bar. I've been telling you about it for what seems like forever and really nothing has changed. It's still the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's still the best tasting protein bar I've ever eaten. And it's just as delicious as they come. Look, if you are someone who has thought about or even sampled protein bars in the past, you know that some of them are chalky and gross. But that's not what Built Bar is doing. They have, they have revolutionized the protein bar game because they're making bars that are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew with that candy bar-like texture. Look, go get yourself some because they taste great. But if that doesn't sell you, they're also all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Good and good for you. Each one comes with at least 17 grams of protein. They pack a lot of punch and they taste great. You've got worse snacks in your cabinet. Don't reach for those. Instead, reach for the Built Bar. And to do so, make sure you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to Locked On NFL's YouTube page to watch the three-day live event with live coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th to May 1st. All right, we talked about the Blazers heading in the wrong direction in segment one. This is just a team that is 29th in defense, a team that struggles in crunch time on offense, and a team that doesn't bring the proper amount of urgency in games that are desperate to win is not a team that fares well in the playoffs. They've always kind of, not always, but often this season, they've had the statistical profile of a team much worse than their record. It's finally catching up with them. Some of that is just luck. Some of it is just re regression of their good luck in close games. They're getting bad luck. It's how it happens. The NBA season is long. For the most part, it is a meritocracy. You earn it. You get in. That's why I said put a bow on it. The Blazers are. They've the Blazers have had chances to get right and they have failed at them. The season is not over 
the they can still put them they can still make me eat a whole bunch of crow and i will happily eat my shoe on this very podcast if they do it but i have seen enough from this team to say it's a wrap whatever happens they're getting they're either missing the playoffs or getting in and getting out early this is not a team built or capable of making a deep playoff run and i think there are larger implications of that today is not the day to necessarily discuss them but this team is not in a good spot. But one of the reasons they're not in a good spot is because their star player isn't playing well. I am not putting this situation on Damian Lillard. Let me be clear. I do not think he is the reason that the Blazers are struggling. But if he doesn't play well, the Blazers aren't going to win. And y'all, Damian Lillard has not played particularly well. In April, in, all, in the 10 April games he has played, he has scored above 30 points just once. And he has scored 17 or fewer points three times. One of those 17 or fewer points was a blowout win over OKC where he only played 25 minutes and he didn't shoot particularly well, but the Blazers were beating the snot out of a team and it didn't matter. But he's had some. he's had more abnormally bad games than he has above average scoring nights he's he has only outpaced his on-season scoring average once and that was in a loss to Milwaukee that wasn't particularly close he played fine but they couldn't guard Giannis to save them he has struggled and it's undeniable if you just look at uh just straight splits in 10 April games Damian Lillard is averaging 22.1 points He's shooting 37% from the floor, 34.7% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. That compares to the entire year when he's averaging 28 points, shooting 43% from the floor, and 37% from the free throw line. It's, it's, um, it's subtle differences, like he's missing way more twos, I guess, this year, and we'll talk about that, or this, this month than anything else. We'll talk about that in a moment. But it's, it is an undeniable difference. He has just been worse. And a couple places that he has been worse, and I've been paying attention to, are his pull-up shooting and his drives to the rim. Because the two things that make Damian Lillard incredibly dangerous are his ability to score off the dribble. That's, you know, step into a three and ace one in your eye from anywhere from 28 and beyond. He's as good as that as anyone in the world. It's his elite skill. And then the other thing beyond that that kind of sets him apart is the ability to leverage that pull-up game, the fear that he is going to rise up off the dribble in order to get to the rim. He doesn't have the sort of like silky dance moves of Kyrie Irving and, and uh, uh, Steph Curry. He's more deliberate. He pounds the rock. He gets you on his shoulder. He goes, he goes hard left and finishes right, or he goes hard right and, and swoops in for a, for a little finish on the, on the reverse. Like, he's, he has go-to moves. He's not um, sort of the crazy counters of even his teammate, CJ McCollum. Dame is deliberate but lethal. And in April, he has been worth, worse both pulling up and driving to the rim. And particularly his finishing is really where it gets worrisome. On the year, Damian Lord is a pretty darn good pull-up artist. On the season as a whole, Damian Lord averages 11 points per game on pull-ups. Shoots 34.7% from three on pull-ups. 
for an effective field goal percentage of 49.5. It's 36.6% from the field and a little better from deep. Like he's just, this is, um, you know, he's not as crazy as he has been, but this is, this is where he's lethal. He shoots about 50 on pull-up shots. He shoots effectively 50% from the field. He basically a point, uh, you know, a point per shot when he, when he pulls up. He's, he's deadly there, and he leverages that to be, you know, even more impressive. But f- starting in April, he is just way worse on pull-ups. 29.4% from the floor, including 31% from three, an effective field goal percentage of 40, almost 10 uh, effective field goal percentage points different. This is, he's, you know, way worse from three, way worse from two. His pull-up game has just been bad. He's only, on on pull-ups, he's just averaging 6.8 points per game in the month of April. And if his pull-up game is bad, it means that his, his drive game is worse because if, if he is not punishing teams while pulling up off the dribble, it doesn't leverage his ability to drive. On the year, Dame averages about 14.1 drives per game. All these stats are courtesy of NBA.com and they're tracking numbers. These are publicly available. You can go look them up for yourselves. But Damian Lord on the year, 14.1 drives per game, uh, shooting 50% from the field and scores on about 60, or the Blazers score on about 63.6% of his drives. If he attacks the rim, good stuff happens, right? But he is driving less and has been less effective in the month of April. He's driving about three times left per game, from four to, from 14 to 11.1, and the field goal percentage from about 50% is down to 36.4%, and the Blazers are scoring just on 59% of his drives. Still effective. He's you know gets he gets a handful of free throws. He gets. Um, you know, he sets, he sets people up. He averages, you know, about 12% of those drives in April end in assists, but just, they only score about 59% of the time before it was more than two thirds of his drives end in points. Now it's less than 60%. It's these subtle little differences. It's a big problem. And the main problem for me, for Damian Lord is his finishing. This has been the obvious thing. He is banged up. He does not look physically right, but he is playing. And if he is playing, it doesn't really matter. Like, um, you can shut him down or whatever the call is, but when the Blazers shut him down, they barely beat San Antonio on the road, got lucky in the final possession, got absolutely waxed by the Charlotte Hornets, and lost a close game against the shorthanded Clippers. You know, you could say, well, he's back in the lineup and they've been worse, but I think they were objectively better with uh, with him in the lineup the previous week on two, in a loss to the Boston Celtics, and then after that, uh, the game against Denver, they were better with Dame in the lineup, and they were better on Friday with Dame in the lineup. They're better with him. There's If you sit him, he loses. You lose, I mean, rather. Like, you're just, you're, you're just going to lose more than you win. Um, with him in the lineup, it's a problem, but you can't really make the injury excuse if he's playing. You can acknowledge it, and I think we should. He looks banged up. He doesn't look physically right. But this is what they have. The season doesn't wait for your health. And on the year, prior to April 1st, through 45 games on March 31st, Damon Lord was shooting 61.6% in the restricted area. If he got into the paint, got inside that little half circle in the paint, he was finishing at a high level, above league average, just phenomenal in that spot. Like for someone his size, uh, he's, you know, he'd become an elite finisher. And that really was setting him apart this year. But he's been banged up. And in 10 games in April, 
Damon Lillard is shooting just 48.3% in the restricted area. It feels like to me that Dame is shooting, he's getting to the rim less, but according to the according to the numbers here on NBA.com, he's actually getting to the rim uh, almost exactly the same rate, even a little bit more in April than he was in March. He just isn't making shots. A dip from 61, basically 62% down to 48% is a massive, massive drop. It's, it is... It is, it's not like the single indicator or whatever is the reason why they're losing, but when you watch Dame play, he seems to be lacking a little bit of explosiveness. He's shooting way worse from three, and he's shooting way worse at the rim, and those are the two spots where you would need your strength, your lift, your base, all of those things. To get off, off the dribble threes, it requires a ton of strength, a ton of balance. They... They need Dame to be better, right? Like he's shooting 35% from three in April. On the year, he's shooting 37%. Like it's these little marginal things. And he's in, and the pull up game, a few less drives, and not finishing at the rim are the difference in the Blazers being, uh, you know, on a lead offense and having a go-to guy down the stretch. They've lost a handful of these games because in the final three minutes, they need offense. And the guy who always would bail them out isn't capable of doing so. It's these little things around the margins. The drives, the pull-up shooting, the finishing. That's the difference for Dame. Um, he's The Blazers are still going to be bad on defense. <laughs> Even if he's fully healthy, they're still going to be a bad defensive team. They're still going to be a low assist team. There's still going to be a lot of ISO and stagnation. But you can fix those things at another time. A personnel change, a, a, a total coaching overhaul, all those things. Those can change. Th- that's not happening right now, though. That's not going to happen in these final few games of the regular season. What what is what's left for the Blazers to do is have Dame be a little bit better, and he said exactly that in his post game interview. Just straight up, he has to play better. I don't think he's the only reason. Like I said, there's other obvious flaws with this team, but this is a star league. This is a star based league. If your star isn't isn't you know touching the height highest of heights. On occasion, or at least, you know, once a week, getting to a level where he is very clearly the best player on the floor. I don't think you could say that in any game this week, that Damian Lillard was the best player on the floor. They're not going to win. Simple as that. The You can find, you can poke holes in everything else. The weird rotations that puts Mello and Cantor together, um, the, the lack of ball movement, the lack of defensive chops, or the or the coaching uh, rotations that don't put a bunch of plus defenders on the court all at the same time. You can poke holes in all those things and you'll be correct. But the the underlying biggest factor for me is that teams win when their stars play well. Uh, that's, that's how this league works. And right now, Dame, whether it be just a shooting slump or physical limitations from knee and hamstring and lower body issues, he's not playing well and they can't win if he doesn't play better. It might be too late for him to save the season based on what happened this week. They might have dug too big a hole to sort of get where they want to go. It ain't over yet, though. They still got games to play, and if they still got games to play, there's still a chance for them to prove me wrong. No, no, noted doubter, Mike Richmond. So let's talk about that in the third segment. What's left for the Blazers' schedule? What do they have ahead of them this week and what proves to be the beginning of a probably a very challenging road trip. But before we get there, let's talk about bet online. 
just the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. That's what it is. You can bet on NBA games. You can bet on NHL games. You can bet on MLB games. You can bet on damn near anything else you want to from awards. The Oscars are happening right now. You can go bet on them at betonline.ag or reality TV. It's Listen, anything you want. It's got odds on odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Plus, real-time news, real-time scores. It's just the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to the website, betonline.ag. And use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The, the website is betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON. And with that, you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the Blazers' season probably being a wrap. We talked about Damian Lillard's struggles. I think this team's headed in the wrong direction, but it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. There are 12 games remaining in the regular season. So let's take a look at what the Blazers can do in their final 12 games to get right. <laughs> Some of it is very basic. Win more than you lose and down this stretch, but it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, of their 12 remaining games, eight of them are on the on the road, four of them are at home, and just four of those games come against teams that are not currently within the top eight in their respective conferences. That's eight games against playoff teams, a combined winning percentage of 5-4-4, four, four. and if you're scoring at home, the Blazers are 12-22 and 22 against teams that are 500 and above this season. They've struggled against the good teams, and the stretch run includes a bunch of good teams. The Blazers game on Tuesday against the Indiana Pacers is one of the four games remaining against teams that are not currently in the playoff race. And Indiana's beat up, missing Miles Turner. They've been missing uh, DeMontis Sabonis. They're just, this is, they are not the team. Or they handled the Blazers earlier in Portland. They beat them uh, by 24. This is not that team. Uh, they're not They're not that healthy. They're not that good. I mean, they've added Karis LeVert, chipped out Victor Oladipo. But this, this team is, is not in a good spot and lacks a ton of depth up front. If the Blazers are going to go where they need to go, it starts by winning in Indiana. Um, I don't really think there's must-wins in in the regular season. I don't think that's how that this works. Uh, that's not how the math works. If you lose this game against the Pacers, you're not out. You're just in a bad spot. But you're in a really bad spot. Let's let's keep it a buck fifty here. Like there, it's hard for me to see them getting where they want to go and avoiding 10th and avoiding a deep play in spot. Like I think I know how the season ends, but I think there's like a, there's a sort of a better way for it to end. And it starts with beating Indiana on Tuesday and in, in Indianapolis, the beginning of a six game road trip, that six game road trip ain't easy, but it ends with another one of these bad teams on May 5th, to close out that six-game road trip at Cleveland. Then they come back for two of their four remaining home games are against legitimately bad teams. in San, or Not legitimately bad. San Antonio's good. One legitimately bad team. Houston. Uh, Cleveland is legitimately bad. Indiana's not in a good spot right now. I think they're pretty bad right now. Uh, but May 8th against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, obviously, the Blazers shorthanded, you know, squeaked past the Spurs. The Spurs are just tough. They're, they don't go anywhere. DeMar DeRozan just kind of, um, you know, drags that team ahead with a bunch of mid-range crossover pull-ups. Like, they're going to be right there. That's not a particularly easy game. May 10th, a legitimately easy game. Like, that. that's... I think you can say with confidence that that, that, is, a, that is a pretty easy game. So, 
the way I'm looking at it, with those games, Indiana, Cleveland, I guess San Antonio, I'll throw it on the list just because they're not a playoff team in Houston. That's four, that's four truly winnable games. I say three imminently winnable games, three games that if you lose any of those three, you're in trouble. But mixed in with those other 12 at Memphis on Wednesday, at Brooklyn Friday, and Brooklyn's got Kevin Durant back in the lineup, at Boston Sunday, at Atlanta next week. Then, the, then they close with that Cleveland game. They come back. The Lakers, the Spurs, the Rockets in a little three-game homestand. Then at Utah, who has clinched the playoffs and could be in a good spot, we will see what Jazz team comes out um, on uh, Wednesday, May 12th, with just three games remaining in the regular season. At Phoenix on a back-to-back, that's a that's a tough one. Phoenix probably you know, will still be jockeying for seeding, but there's a chance they've got it locked up and don't play. And then home against Denver on the final game of the regular season. It's, it'll be curious to me what those final three games, what those teams who are all going to be in the West upper tier, um, very likely, like where those teams need to be. It's very likely Denver will be battling for the home court advantage until the final game of the regular season. That game could be tough. Uh, Utah and Phoenix may not need to win those games, or in fact may want uh, Portland to to win those games in order to sort of jockey for position for other teams lower in the standings, etc., etc. But prior to that, this six-game road trip is going to I don't know if it's going to define the Blazers' season. I think this last stretch has defined the Blazers' season. I think, like I said, put a bow on it. But the games still are happening, and they're still on the schedule, so there's still hope out there. A, this six-game road trip, beginning Tuesday in Indiana, this is it. I mean, this is it. If they if if they don't win both at Indiana at Memphis to kick off this road trip, like I feel like it's over now. But that would be a seven-game losing streak, and you might as well just call it. Even even beating the Pacers and coming back and losing to Memphis on Wednesday, second night of a back-to-back, uh, that's you, you might as well just call it. You might as well just call it what it is. That that we won't need to we won't need to start looking. We will not if they lose both those games. There is no ten games left in the regular season. Here's what the schedule looks like. Segment we won't be looking at the se- at the rest of the schedule. We'll be talking about <laughs> we'll be talking about whether they should make the playoffs at all. I like I said. I kind of think we know where this, what the deal is. We know where it's headed. We know, we know all of that. I really do think that. Like, I think I was kind of waiting to hold out judgment for this week. And even though I think they're playing better, they didn't get the results they need. And then they came out flat on Sunday. They can still turn it around. Dame can play better, all of these things. But this was going to be the week that I said we learned of who this team was. I think we know who they are. There's no reason for me to pretend. Um, I, don't need, I don't need to sell podcast listens to y'all. I, here's what I think. I think it's over. I think the season's over. I think this is a team that if they make the playoffs, goes home early and then has to go into the offseason and figure out what they want to be. And I think we've reached the point where the future is more important than the present. What they look like next year is much more important than what they look like in these final 12 games because there's nothing they can do over these final three and a half weeks that really changes my mind. I mean, they could go 12-0 and and rip through the playoffs. That would change my mind. But realistically, what is this team going to do over these final 12 games into the playoffs that's going to drastically change my mind? Probably, I, I don't see it happening. They certainly could. And I'll hold out hope for that space. Uh, because quite frankly, this podcast is more fun when they win. But I'm keeping it 100 with y'all. I know what this team is. So I, I'm putting a bow on it. I really do think that's a wrap. But guess what? Podcast ain't going anywhere. So if you want to get in on our next show, which is going to be our Mailbag Monday show, our weekly mailbag segment that I record on Monday evenings and post on Tuesdays, you can 
just tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Helps if you tag it as a mailbag question. Or email the show, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That's the two ways to do it. Mailbag Monday is a ton of fun. I'd love to have you participate if you are so willing. Also, do me a favor and tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.